because he knew that uh, the surgery was scheduled today. So, so here I am. Welcome me, huh? How about that? Thank you. How many of you, just because uh, I, I recognize faces, obviously, because we go to the same church, but how many of you remember me as your teacher in Adventure Zone when you were, yeah, see? You guys are getting old. I've been old for a long time. And, and I know that I'm old, and it's, it's happening quick. It's nothing I can do anything about. So instead of trying to be extra cool and fit in here, I'm just going to embrace my oldness. We're going to talk about stuff that probably happened way before, you know, you were born and you won't remember it, but we're going to, you're just going to have to humor me a little bit and it'll be awesome. How many of you remember, <coughs> we haven't done it for a long time that I know of, but remember the old song, you know, The Lord's Army. You guys remember that song? This is, this is a throwback, okay? So I'm embracing my oldness. You remember it, so, you know, you're getting old too, so that's awesome. We've got something in common. How, how did that song go? Does anybody remember? I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery, fly over the enemy, right? But I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir, right? Good job. See, that was awesome. Maybe we can sing that next week, right? Um, man, it, I don't know if you, were, if you haven't heard that song. It's, it's obviously all about the Lord's army, right? And it's a it's a fun kid's song. It's got emotions. You know, I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, you know, shoot the artillery is always what we did. But if you guys know Fisher Albright, he's a couple years older than you guys, he would always shoot the artillery like this. And he, he was like, he had the sniper rifle back in, man, he was, he made me nervous, but he's a good guy. Fisher's awesome. That's how he would shoot the artillery. But but, you know, that, that song is fun. It's awesome. As little kids, it's a way to, you know, teach little kids, man, th- we're in the Lord's army, man. We're, we're at battle, you know, against Satan and the enemy, but it's almost too cute, isn't it, to where we almost don't take serious that there actually is a battle going on. There's a real battle, even though we can't see that enemy. You know, we can see our flesh that we struggle with. We can see this world the system that, that is all around us, but, but we can't see Satan himself. We can't see his minions or demons or whatever you want to call him. You say minions anymore, and that's just the cute little yellow guys. But, but man, there, there is a real legitimate war that's going on. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We're, there's so much in that verse. We're, we're only using that verse as a springboard to just get into spiritual warfare tonight. And we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. That, that verse tells us, look, you are, you're a soldier. You've been called to be a soldier in, in Christ's army. And there is a very real war. There is a very real battle going on every single day. And, and it's a battle for your heart and it's a battle for your mind. All right. And so we're going to see that and what better place to go and, and look at how we're going to carry out spiritual warfare than Ephesians chapter 6, right? So if you recognize that song, you know Ephesians chapter 6 is the armor of God, right? And so we're going to spend some time there. And if, if you've gone through church here, you know, you grew up a church kid, you know all the, the armor, you know, the gospel shoes and the, the belt and the shield of faith and all that stuff, you know, try to, try to step back from all the, the cute 
fun kid things that you did. And, and think about these. These are legitimate tools for battle. These are legitimate weapons that, that we need for a very real battle. So let's go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 together. I'll read it. You can follow along. If you read out loud, it might be a little distracting for me. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and therein I may speak boldly, as I ought to speak. Let's go ahead and pray before we start filling out your blanks on your sheet. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Um, thank you for, for being honest with us and, and saying, hey, this, this isn't just fun and games. This is difficult. Life is tough. There are difficult things that we've got to deal with, Lord, and we're so thankful that you're here with us to guide us. We're thankful you've given us your word. We're thankful that you keep your word. Lord, and you've provided us ways out of these battles and ways through these battles, Lord. So I just pray you speak tonight to our hearts. Help us to see how we need to fight um, and how we need to defend ourselves because we are under attack. We love you, Lord. We pray that you speak to us through your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, so spiritual warfare. The first thing we're going to talk about is spiritual wickedness. We just saw that in the passage. And letter A underneath of that is, is knowing the enemy. Like if you're going to if you're going to do any battle whatsoever, if you don't know who your enemy is, man, you're going to get blindsided. You're going to get hit when you least expect it. So knowing our enemy, you look again in uh, verses 11 and 12 here. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against people, right? You may have enemies that are people, but Satan can just use that as a distraction. But, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, the spiritual wickedness in high places. Ephesians 2, 2 talks about our past before we know Christ. If, if you know Christ as your Savior now, you no longer live in this. But before, he says, and you hath he quickened or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Another one of our enemies is this world system. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Right? When, when I was a child of disobedience, before I knew Christ as my Savior, I, I just followed the course of this world. I was obedient to my own flesh. I did what I wanted to do. I was in charge. And, and, and I was not a son of God. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In whom the God, small g, the God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Notice we keep seeing darkness and blindness, right? This is how Satan works. He wants to keep us from knowing things. He wants to keep us from seeing the truth. 
Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Right? When we walked the course of this world, we were in darkness. Before we knew Jesus Christ as the light of our life, we walked in darkness. 1 John 1.5 says, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. all right? So I just put this verse up there to show you that, that God is the opposite of darkness. Anything that is darkness, anything that is trying to blind you and, and fool you with, with lies is not of God. It's, it's of the enemy. All right? So there are stark contrasts between God and what we're dealing with here. It's the opposite. Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So our enemies are the devil, this world system, and our own flesh. All right? I know the other verse said that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. He's saying that other people are not your enemy. There is flesh and blood that is your enemy, and it's your own. Right? It's the flesh, it's the desires you struggle with every single day, and every single one of us struggle with those things. You're not alone in that fight. You may feel like it. You may feel like you're the only one that feels those things. That is not the case at all. We all feel the same type of things. We all struggle with those things. We all struggle with the flesh. The flesh is not your friend. It is your enemy. It's going to lie to you. It's going to tell you the opposite of what God tells you. Right? All right, so that's our enemy. The world, the flesh, the devil. We've got to know who that is if we're going to go to battle. We've got to know who we're fighting against. It, and if you know who you're fighting against, you also have to know their strategy. That's the next blank. You've got to know your enemy's strategy. You've got to know how they're going to attack. So Ephesians 6.11, he says to put on the whole armor of God. Excuse me, my voice cracked there. That hasn't happened since high, since high school, I think that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. All right? Anybody know what this word wiles means? It's not a common one. I think we got a picture. You got a picture after that verse? Okay, this is old. This is throwback, okay? Does anybody know who that is on the screen there? The wily coyote. Good job, class. Nice job. You make me feel younger. That's the wily coyote and the roadrunner, okay? And so the wily coyote got his name because he's wily, right? He's, he's a troublemaker. He's always trying to eat the roadrunner, right? And if you've ever seen the old cartoons, he's, just, he's, he's come up with all kinds of different contraptions. He usually ends up falling off a cliff and dying, and then he gets up and he does it again. I don't know how he does it, but, but the wily coyote is always trying to kill and destroy and eat the roadrunner. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 through 15 says, Till we all come in the unity, unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, by the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That word deceive is the same word that is translated wiles. The wiles of the devil, his method of attack is deception. He wants you to believe a lie. He wants you to believe a lie. He doesn't care where the lie comes from. It can come direct from him. It can come from your own flesh, 
your own heart can deceive you or can come from this world telling you that, that you don't measure up, that you're not good enough, that, that Christ couldn't possibly love you. That is a lie. Right? And this world system and your flesh and Satan want nothing more than to deceive you, to keep you fooled into believing and following all of the wrong things. Again, we saw in uh, verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. All right, this, this term, this high places, everywhere else in the King James Bible is translated heavenly. This one time, they decided, let's, let's use the word high, high places, instead of heavenly places. And there's a reason they do that. Because, you know, if, if you were here on Sunday, we went through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we saw that when we do Bible study, we're supposed to, to compare, blah, 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 I can't talk. We're supposed to compare spiritual things with spiritual. What, is, what are those spiritual things? It's, it's the Word of God, right? We're to compare Scripture with Scripture. If, if, he uses, if they use the word heavenly here, we, we lose some really cool comparisons. One of those comparisons is Numbers 33, verse 52. And there's a bunch more in the Old Testament. It says, Then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. You guys have been going through Joshua, right? Joshua is taking the armies of Israel into the promised land, and they're going to wipe out all of the enemies of God, right? You shall drive out all the inhabitants from the land before you and destroy all their pictures, destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all of their high places. This is a cool cross-reference we wouldn't have if they used the word heavenly up in Ephesians, right? What is a high place? If you follow through and, and, and look at the kings and the chronicles, and, and you follow all of the different kings that come through Israel and that come through Judah, all, all of the kings of Israel are wicked. Not one of them follows God, and they set up high places. And in these high places, they put things like groves, these, these gardens, and that sounds cool, but it's a garden that has all these statues to worship false gods. All right, so these high places are a place that they set up images and, and like calves, like cow statues and weird stuff like that, and they're giving credit to these statues, these lifeless statues, for the things that God has done to bless them in their past. There are instances to where God is, is hacked off at Israel because they have given credit to a statue of a cow for taking them out of Egypt. And God says, what are you doing? You've turned your back on me. You've set up high places that promote lies. Right? There's, there's high places in Israel that, that say that, that these, these images, that these cows, that these weird statues are the ones that rescued you and saved you from your sin and, and rescued you from your enemies. These high places are places of lies. And if we go back to the, the, the New Testament, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not, they're not fleshly but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. The high places in the Old Testament, those were the high places that exalted themselves against God. Israel gave credit to false gods instead of the true God. Right? It's, it's a place where a lie resides. It's a place where idols live or lifeless idols reside. 
Israel set up those idols in those high places. They gave credit to them for saving them from bondage. And we do the same thing. Right? We believe lies in our minds and in our hearts. He says we need to cast down imaginations. You know, if you follow the kings of Judah, every once in a while I would say that there's this king that came to power, and he did that which was right in the eyes of God. And he took down the groves, and he tore down the high places, and he eliminated all of those things, and he, and he set up an altar for God and gave God the credit that he deserves. Right? And, and so we see the same thing here in 2 Corinthians 10. We take down imaginations. We cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You bring in t- those thoughts that are against the truth into captivity by saying, no, 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 no. I agree with what God says. I know this world says that whatever, right? Says I'm not good enough. Says I'm not pretty enough. Like, I know I'm not pretty. It's been a while. Says I, I, I can't be a friend. I can't have friends. I'm, I'm going to be alone. Look, this world system wants you to believe a lie. It wants you to feel insignificant. It wants you to feel like God doesn't care about you, doesn't want you, can't use you. That's a lie. And those take place in high places in your mind, and you need to take that captive and say, no, no, that's not what God said. That is not the truth. I'm going to cast that down. I'm going to live in obedience to God. I'm just going to agree with what his word says. And his word says that he died for me. Look, I'm not special, but he sure is. (laughs) He loved me enough to give it all for me. I'm going to get rid of those high thoughts. I'm going to get rid of those things. That's how Satan wants to to attack us. That's one of his methods of attack. So how does, how does he get control? He wants you to love the wrong things. First John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. All right, I think I've got another cool picture up here. Does anybody know what that is? This is way back. Do you know, Sal? Yes! You're a stud. That is Tech Mobile, and that was really cool way, way back in the day. All right, this was on the, I think the NES. And so what this was was the coolest football game ever made at the time, for sure, right? And so the next screen here, this is how you selected your plays. Offense and defense selected plays at the same time. And so what we would do in my house is I would have my controller, and my brother would have his controller, and we're playing on the same TV, and I would kind of watch his controller to see, you know, if he pushed up and letter A or up and letter B, I would know. And I'd pick the same one. And when you pick the same play out of those eight selections, the the defense just clobbered. They just went right over the the offense and just destroyed them. It was awesome. So then, you know, you learn, and i I got to pick my plays and make sure my brother's not cheating. He's controller peeking, you know. It was awesome. It was a good game. So, you got eight choices. You got one out of eight chance that you're going to pick the same play as your brother or sister, and you're going you're gonna to win that play. And if you pick the same one three times in a row, they're, they're convinced you cheat. You know, it's not fair. This game's dumb. All that stuff. But, you know, Satan only has three plays to choose from. We just saw him in, in that verse. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
He's got three plays that he's going to play against all of us. And, and the bad thing is, the sad thing is that, that we walk through life just as though we don't even have a choice. We don't even know what he's going to hit us with next. We don't even know what to do. But man, he, he only has three, and we see him right here in this verse. So the lust of the flesh is what you desire to feel. And, and, and some of these things are completely natural. You want to feel loved. You want to feel appreciated, all those things. But physically, there are things that you feel that it's not time for yet, right? There are boundaries that God sets for certain things. But man, what you desire to feel. Satan knows that you have some desires, and he knows how to play against those desires. He knows how to mess with you. The second one, the lust of eyes, is what you desire to have. What you desire to have, okay? And Satan knows that you desire to have. And that's why the, the, the world system has all kinds of shiny things <laughs> that we love to look at, that, that are constant distractions that pull us away from the Lord and pull us away from truth. And the pride of life is, is what you desire to be or who you desire to be. And, it, and it's okay to desire to be successful and to accomplish things and to be loved and cared for and appreciated and remembered and all that stuff. But man, you can, you can very quickly get off track on that one, right? You can very quickly be distracted by those things and, and care more about how people see you than, than how they see Christ in you, right? It happens so quick. All right, so that, that's the three plays. That's the only three plays that he has. So we know who the enemy is. We know his attack strategy. We know his three plays. We can beat him easier than Tech Mobile. What are our spiritual weapons, number two? We need to have a strong defense, don't we? That's letter A under number two. We, we need spiritual weapons to fight a spiritual enemy. We need a strong defense because he's got a strong attack. He really does. He only has three plays, but, but he's been around a long, long time, guys. And he knows our nature. And he knows how easily we're distracted. We just don't make it that hard on him. We need a strong defense. Ephesians 6.11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And again in verse uh, 13 through 17, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He says we need to put on the whole armor of God. If you don't put it all on, you've got weak points, don't you? You've got, you've got weaknesses, and so we've got to make sure that we're abiding by all of this. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55, or 57 and 58 says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? All of those things he listed are tied directly to the Word of God. The victory comes through the word of God. It comes through Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It is possible to not be defeated, is what he's saying. Look, you're going to fall down. You're going to make bad decisions. It's, it's part of life. You're going to learn from those. Hopefully, you're going to get back up. You're going to say, hey, that's not going to happen again. I don't have to fall down. I don't have to fail. I can be un unmovable. I can always abound in the work of the Lord. What, a, what an awesome promise that is. All right, so we've got to put on all of that armor. And I know, you know, 
it's a pretty simple study to go through and compare and see what each one of those are. They're, they're directly connected to the word of God and your ability to use it to counter Satan's attacks. And, and that's letter B, striking back, right? We've got to have a strong defense. We've got to be able to strike back. If we look uh, in verse 18 to continue on, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. The first thing we saw, part of the weaponry, the faith in the word of God is your next point. Faith in the word of God is one of your counterattacks. It's, it's, it's part of your defense. The Paul says the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Right? You can't counterattack without these. How many of you have ever seen the, the it's, I guess it's getting old now, the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe? He was a stud gladiator. It's a pretty sweet movie, right? You, he didn't usually just go in with a sword, did he, to fight? He always had a shield. Why did he have a shield? Because he's going to block one strike, and he's going to counter right away, right? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fighter, but I've watched some of that MMA stuff until it gets too bloody, and then I'm like, Ugh. it's gross. What do they do? They don't just walk in like this, you know, like, come on, just hit me. And, I mean, if they do, a lot of times they get hit. <laughs> they go down. No, they, they're ready to block first so that they can counter. You've got to have a shield. You've got to have a sword. You've got to have your hel helmet covering your head, right? You've got to have things set up so that you can block first and counterattack. In the Gospel of Matthew, we see Christ in, in Matthew chapter 4. Satan is attacking in the through the forms of temptation. He's, he's trying to mess with the king of kings here. He's, he's definitely outmatched. It says in verses 1 through 4, Jesus was led up to the spirit into the wilderness, was, was tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was after, afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Right? Satan attacks, Christ blocks it, and counters. How does he do that? He uses the shield of faith. He believes what God has said is true and not what Satan is saying. Right? Satan's trying to tempt him to do something in the wrong time. All right? And so then he takes the sword of truth, right? the sword of the Spirit, and he swings right back at him. He quotes scripture at him. Satan is going to attack you with temptation. He's going to attack you with lies. How are you going to counter? You need to have the word of God in your life. You need to know what God says is actually true so you can strike back. Say, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to block that because I believe what God said is true. And I'm going to swing right back at you because God also said this. Right? And, and, and Christ was tempted two more times, and two more times he did the exact same thing. He stood firm on the truth and countered with God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is quick. It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That word quick means alive. My, my favorite explanation for this, because it came out of my own head and it makes sense to me, is, look, milk is okay. But when you put Nestle's quick in there, it comes alive. 
You'll never forget that. Quick means a lie, especially the strawberry stuff. Come on. It's good. All right. Quick means alive. Okay, let's move on. The Word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword of piercing, even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The book is alive. God's Word is powerful, and it cuts. James 4, verses 7 through 10 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You want him to stop messing with it? He says, resist him. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. If we want the devil to flee from us, we need to recognize that, that every bit of these steps that he's pointing out right here, all of these are also tied to the word of God. Resist the devil like Christ did. You respond to him with scripture, and he's going to go away. That's just what he does. He has no other plays if you're going to stick with what God says. If you're going to put the shield up and say, no, I believe what God says is true. You can block anything he tempts you with. And then you counter with truth. Resist the devil and he will flee. Cleanse your hands by washing in the water of the word. Purify your hearts by looking in the mirror of God's word and agreeing with him on what you see. Right? Agree with him on what the actual problem is, not what the world says the problem is, and allow him to change your heart. And then he says, correct your double-minded approach to life by allowing him to sanctify you by truth. He says his word is truth. You know another way we can counterattack? You know, if you've ever watched any, any movies with battle scenes, you know, they're fighting over territory. You know, when they get defeated... The, the army that won has now taken that advanced territory. You know how we can advance onto Satan's territory? We can share the gospel. You know how we can, we can advance into his territory? By taking his soldiers for Christ. He says in Ephesians 6.15, Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Mark 16.15 says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I used to read that, and I used to think, like, every creature? Like, I had a pet mouse. Like, that, that creature? Even Ralph? Right? It was Ralph S. Mouse, if you remember the mouse in the motorcycle way back. Ralph? No, he wasn't talking about Ralph. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Right? A new creation. He, you've been created one thing. In Christ, you become a new creature, a new creation. So not Ralph. Sorry, Ralph. I don't know what happened to Ralph. He's, he's dirt now. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, which, by which also ye are saved, if, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, okay? This world system, your school system, is going to tell you that that is a lie. They're going to try to convince you by all kinds of man's wisdom, which we've seen on Sundays, that only ends in emptiness, 
All kinds of man's wisdom is going to try and convince you that that's just not true. You need to defend your faith by just saying, no, God said it's true. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to stick with what God says every single time. I'm not going to let the, the world fool me into uh, to believing that. And what that is, is the gospel. That simple story that Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again victorious to conquer all of our sin, that is the gospel. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, okay, not, not just that he existed, but that he's a Lord, right? He makes decisions, and I follow those decisions. And shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What an incredible promise. And when you are saved, you become a soldier for Christ. See, we can advance into the enemy's territory. We can take the enemy's troops because God loves them as well. Right? Don't forget, before you were saved, you were one of them. Right? Before I gave my life to Christ, I was in the wrong army and didn't even have a clue. But I wasn't the enemy, because our enemies are not flesh and blood. We just belong to him. The third thing we can do to counterattack is, is to pray. Pray to the one who can help. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You see what's going on here is, Paul knows how to block an attack by Satan because he believes the word of God. He knows that counteract. He knows how to counter strike right back at Satan by quoting scripture, by, by, by sticking with the truth. The truth blocks the attack. The truth counterattacks. And then he says, pray for me. <laughs> pray for perseverance. You know what that is? Prayer is another defense. Right? Because when, when you block and you swing back, the enemy's going to swing again, isn't he? He's going to come right back at you. And so you pray for defense, and then you pray for open doors so that you can swing right back again and take people for Christ to be soldiers for him. Man, some of this can be a scary realization, right? That, that there are things out there you can't see that hate you. That's weird, right? That's scary. There are things out there that you'll never see until, right, until Christ returns and, and everything spiritual is visible to us and we're like whoa that's that, glad i never saw that before right that'd be scary are you connected to the one that all of that scary stuff trembles in fear of are you praying to that one are you praying to the god that your enemies and his enemies fear right james 2:19 says thou believest that there is one god good job thou doest well the devils also believe, and they tremble. They are afraid of God, rightfully so. They are afraid of Jesus Christ, because there's power in that name, right? The power of salvation is in that name. Luke, 1, or Luke 12, 5 says, But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him, which after he hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. 
Yea, I say unto you, fear him. You see, there's all kinds of weird and scary stuff in this world, isn't there? There's, you know, there's, there's school lockdowns and there's shootings and there's terrorism. And it's a scary, messed up world that we live in. But he still says that the flesh and blood is not the one you're, you're supposed to really even be concerned about fighting. All of that stuff is stuff we got to deal with, right? He says our battle every single day is right here and right here. Are you going to believe what I say, God is asking? Are you going to fear me, the one who has power over death and hell and eternity? Or are you going to fear those that are lying to you? That's the battle every single day. We're just about out of time, so let's wrap up with 2 Timothy 4.7. He says, this is Paul writing to Timothy. He's just about to be done with his life. Somehow he knows that. God has let him know. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. What an awesome testimony that is. Now, Paul was a special dude in a totally different time, but but Paul is putting this down to encourage Timothy. Hey, man, you can do it too. You can finish your fight. You can, you can fight a good fight. You can finish your course. You can keep the faith. So Paul didn't just take there and stand and, and, uh, and take the abuse of Satan and everything that Satan had to throw at him, did he? Paul fought a good fight. And the only way we can do that is by sticking with God's word. Believing it, trusting in it, using it, to encourage you, using it to repel Satan when he does attack. Every day you're going to be in a fight to decide whether you want to believe what God says or you want to believe what this world says or what your flesh is telling you is true right in the moment. Your flesh is a very convincing liar. Paul finished his course. He, he fulfilled everything that God had planned for him during his life. Are you even aware? I mean, probably not. You're still figuring some of these things out. Are you aware of what God wants you to do in your life? Man, it's, it's your responsibility to figure it out. That, I don't say that to put pressure on you. You've got plenty of time. But you ought to be talking to him about it, right? You, you ought to be seeking him about what it is specifically he wants you to do with your life. Who it is he wants you to reach with your life. It's your responsibility to, to talk to him and, and find out. And then lastly, Paul said that he kept the faith. There are so many stories. We saw the, the verses about being blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine. There's so many stories of people that, that don't stick it out with God because, well, this guy says this, and that guy says that, and I don't know, and why don't we just figure out what God says? Right, let's, let's, let's figure out what God says in his word. Let's stick with that. Let's trust that, believe that. And allow that to keep us strong. Allow that to keep us day after day in the battle that we're going to fight. Right? Don't allow difficult circumstances to turn you away from God's promises. Because difficult circumstances are guaranteed to come. That, that's just, <laughs> here's your, your positive finish to the message, life stinks. <laughs> it doesn't always. It doesn't. But sometimes it does. Sometimes tough circumstances come. And you can't allow those tough circumstances to convince you that God wasn't right. Because God is right. His word is always right. And, and I can tell you, as, as a 40-year-old man, I can't 
since the day I gave my life to Christ, I cannot look over my shoulder and find one instance where God was not faithful. You know, Israel put a pile of stones several times in their journey into the promised land. You know why they did that? Because when they can look over their shoulder, when they took their kids to this pile of stones, somebody can say, what's that all about? Oh, God's faithful. Every time I needed him, God was there. I put a pile of stones because, man, I didn't want to forget. Every time I look over my shoulder, every time I look at my past, God has always, always been faithful. I, I fall down. <laughs> I, I, I can be faithless. I can struggle. I can, I can, you know, forget or believe a lie from time to time, but he's never, ever, ever let me down. He never, ever will. His word is always true. He's always right. He's always strong, and he's always there. And he's going to help you fight those fights. He's going to help you fight the spiritual battles that you have. So you guys are going to continue on into the book of Joshua. You're going to see the physical battles that actually happen. What an amazing book that we have that God recorded these stories, this, this history. He recorded this history as a, in such a way that it points back to us today that we can see spiritual truth. Spiritual battles, we can learn a lot from these physical battles. We can learn some of these same things that we saw tonight. So let's go ahead and pray. You guys are finished listening to me. Thank you so much for, for being an awesome group. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you that you're faithful to teach us. Thank you that you're faithful not to just leave us here weaponless or defenseless or you know, clueless in, in what to do and how to react. You're an amazing God, and, and your word is powerful. We're so thankful for it. We just pray that you help us to be confident in it. Use it as a shield. Use it as a sword, um, Lord, and help us to, to, to share the gospel, to take for you more soldiers. We love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.